Welcome to the porch on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by studying the Word of God, focusing on the Book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. We follow their example. We take a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God. They weren't building their own kingdom. They weren't building their own ministries. They were furthering the kingdom of God. Our desire is to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and that focus, regaining the world-shaking influence of the early church. By digging deeper into Scripture, not watering it down, we find the church the Lord intended and not the man-made one. The church age is not over, brothers and sisters. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you believe that and you know that and you want more in your spiritual walk with Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, you're welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. Rebooting the upper room, that's what this whole thing was about starting day one in 2010. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, write to us, or send an email to the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, we appreciate your support and hope that you will. If you need more information, reach out to us. But if you go to the main page for firefalltalkradio.com, there are ways to do so. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. If you don't know where you can find us, go to the main page. All of the places that we are streaming are listed. If you need prayer and you want to pray for others, maybe you want to be a part of the porch community, thank you. For doing so, just reach out to us. We'll plug you in. Remember, we care about you. Make sure you subscribe to us on the various social media accounts we have. Facebook, Instagram, uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. There are links on the main page as well. There's also links in the description. If you want to be a part of our aerial support, first of all, we appreciate it. SRT is... Looking at a new mission in 2024, bigger and more dangerous than we've ever done before. So if you want to start praying for us now, that would be great for each and every member of the team and our families. And also, as always, I don't know what it is about the end of the year. All of a sudden, you start getting hit with things. So um, prayer for um, impending and overshadowing expenses right now. We start out with praise reports and prayer requests, so let's praise Him. Praise you, Abba Father. Praise you for your love. Praise you for your amazing grace. We praise you for our salvation. I praise you for my salvation, for the home that I have, the wife that I have, the, the family, the furry kids, and all the technology and everything you've given me and and all of the, the possessions and the vehicles and the stuff that allows us to be highly mobile and the stuff that's coming, I praise you. I praise you for your protection over me and my family, our furry kids, over our land, our home, and over all my brothers and sisters out there. I praise you for this ministry. 
your ministry, that you allow me to work for you in the family business. I praise you, Lord, for you, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for everything that you've done. I praise you, Lord, for the, my brothers and sisters out there that we've joined together to worship you and learn about you and care about one another. For the dreams and the visions that are picked up in frequency and intensity. I praise him for his healing virtues. I could not exist. I'd have no hope if I had no hope in him. He is the only hope that I have. Not in a fallen world system, not even in people. I praise him for being him, for being Lord of my life. I praise him for everything, for the renewed spirit man inside of me, for the signs of the times and everything that he's showing us to get ready, get prepared. He's coming back. Creation's groaning for the return of the king, and so am I, and so are many of you. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And for the coming kingdom and the new Jerusalem that will one day we will be, will be where we reside. Let's pray. Let's pray for Israel. Pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters in the middle of this war with the uh, demonic enemy that came in a month ago yesterday to do things that have not been done since Nazi Germany. Psalm 122, verses 6 through 8 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace be within you. Pray that he protects Jerusalem. Asatan, Satan, he has his eye on the Temple Mount. He has his eye on Jerusalem. He wants that third temple rebuilt because it'll be for him. And he will walk in through his Antichrist and sit down and declare that he is God and demand to be worshipped as God. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, both in and out of the womb, for the martyrs, and the victims of injustice. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing in me and my wife and family and every one of you as we get back to our divine design. The way you are right now is not the way he designed you and when he put you in your mother's womb. This world, our choices, ancestry have interrupted and interfered We've made some bad decisions that have helped. But every day, pray, pray to get back to your divine design. I pray right now for healing for all that are sick in heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, I speak to you down to the cellular level. Be made whole. Be healed in Yeshua's name. I pray for protection, Psalm 91 covering the angels all around us staying within the hedge, behind the walls, and out of the enemy's crosshairs. I pray for Holy Spirit inspiration, for the fire inside of us to burn, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear, 
that the remnant, each and every one of us, that we would wake up, that we would be alert, that we would understand it's high time that we come out of our slumber and rise up and answer the call to action, which is, first of all, go make disciples of all men. Go make disciples of the world. Get people saved, healed, and delivered. Plunder the kingdom of darkness. I pray for those that have been blessed to be a blessing so that we can be a blessing to others and be a conduit and a flow from the throne room. I pray for people to rise up in prayer, faith-filled, world-shaking prayers, that during this supernaturally active and very dangerous time, both in the natural and the supernatural, our protection and our covering, we pray for one another, and we believe and receive, standing together, shield of faith, sword in hand, armor on, back to back, side to side. It's time that we take a stand, and that doesn't mean overly aggressive against the enemy. That does not mean stepping outside our area of responsibility and calling, because I will tell you, the enemy will eat your lunch if you step outside your areas of responsibility. But we can do what he's called us to do. Destroy the work of the enemy. Set the captives free. Glorify him. I pray for edification, encouragement, inspiration. I pray for the kingdom of God to become foremost and preeminent in our lives. And that we, each and every one of us, this ministry, SRT, everything can go about exposing the work of the enemy, seeking the lost, helping the dying, and setting those in bondage free. So, Father, we thank you. We, we claim this. We believe this, that the technology is blessed. We are blessed. This word is blessed. Yeshua, we thank you, Lord, for being King of kings, Lord of lords, but most of all, being our Savior, our Hamashiach, our Messiah, the Messiah. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever you want to do tonight. Say whatever you want to say through me. Touch your children. Reach in and meet them at their need. Fall upon them. Give them the gifts. Give them the fruit. Change them to the core of their being and glorify the Lord. And I pray these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. If you haven't figured it out, Richard's a little jacked up right now. I've spent this day in the Word preparing this message. I thought it was going to be something different. I knew where he wanted it to go. But he's been showing me things and revealing things. And that that word edification means to build up. And when the Spirit gets in you and brings the Word to you and brings the Lord in his nature and his personality and 
in intimacy, you get edified. You begin to be built up. Your spirit man becomes 20, 30 feet tall. You become a giant. And that's the way I feel right now. It's been an awesome day in the Word. And I pray that when we're done, it is that way for you. But I'm following the 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 pattern that we've had over the last couple of weeks, looking at understanding who he is. And this we're looking at an intimate relationship with the Lord as being the foundation and the key to our spiritual existence. All this other stuff is fluff. It starts at the cross. It goes to the empty tomb. It takes you to the upper room. Looking at the key, this relationship with the Lord, knowing who he is, is the key to our authority and our standing in a fallen world. And it's the key to life in the kingdom of God. Go with me to Exodus chapter 3, starting verse 7. Now, I'm going to establish where we're going. The title of this is, He Is... We're going to find out who he is. See, the Lord is a jewel, which has many facets. And the problem is people see one facet that glistens more than the others, and they want to focus on that facet. And that's where denominations come from, abominations grow, is that they forget it is him in his completeness and his entirety that we live and move and have our being. So we're going to start to understand not just who he is, but that he is. You'll understand that when we get to the end. Go with me to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord told him, Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Now remember Moses standing at the burning bush. And Moses protested to God, saying, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you brought this people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain, at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to be rem- to remember for all generations. I am who I am and what I am, and I will be what I will be. That's what he was saying. See, Moses understood to be questioned. He'd been questioned before. It's interesting how when you begin to see everything through the lens of one story, one tapestry, we go back to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, we see that Moses has grown. He's, he's out there. He's working for Pharaoh, and he sees the, the Hebrews, and he looks at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. When he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? And then he, the Hebrew, said to him, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Very ungrateful of him, to be honest with you. But so Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled to the, fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now his choices drove him out of Egypt to Midian, where he would meet Jethro and work with him and then marry Zipporah. And his life went in the direction that we all know. So they said, who are you? Who do you think you are? Well, guess what? That's a valid question for all of us. And the enemy will ask you that. If you think you're all that in a bag of chips, the enemy is going to want to confirm it. And if you act like you have faith, they're going to do things to see if you have faith. In and of ourselves, we are nothing special. It's who we are in him that matters. And the enemy knows that. And it'll try to confirm your claim. So the phrase, I am, that's what we're talking about, became holy to the Jews. They would refrain from using it. The Lexham Bible Dictionary, I am who I am, in Hebrew, Ehyeh, Asher, Ehyeh. It's a supernatural name for God. The burning bush, uh, Moses is told that. And it's two Hebrew verbs, to be and which or who. So it's it literally means I will be who I will be. It's a transcendent, out of time description of who he is. That's not really a name. He is describing himself. John Durham, who wrote the commentary of the history of Exodus, notes that notes that this initial statement in and of itself does not constitute a personal name. However, in the second part of Exodus 3.14, the phrase is shortened to Ehe, or Yah, I am, sent me. 
The Hebrew Bible Dictionary says the fuller form of the name is rendered I am who I am or I will be who I will be or even I cause to be what is. Hmm, well, we heard that before in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. He was God. All things were made through him. I cause to be what is. So it's not a name, but it's a definition. It's an affirmation that God is always free to be and to act as God wills. That word Yahweh, which really is not a word, it's Y-H-W-H, which is a tetragrammaton, which in the Greek simply means four letters, four consonants, which make up the divine name, found more than 6,000 times in the Old Testament. See, the written Hebrew language did not include vowels. Only the consonants were used. And the readers supplied the vowels as they read, and it's still true today in the Hebrew, like in the newspapers. And there's like a little mark there that tells you where to put the vowel. But reverence for the divine name led to the practice of avoiding to use it, lest one run afoul of commandments. In Exodus 20, verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So they didn't use I am. They didn't even use uh, Yahweh. They would change it to Adonai so that they didn't have to say it. And the Latinized form of it is Jehovah, but that's not really a, a word at all. It's just what they created in place of that. Most scholars teach Y-H-W-H is Yahweh. But I know him as Dad. I know him as Abba. So these letters are the Hebrew equivalents of the English Y or J, H, W, and H. The one who is, that is, the absolute and unchangeable one. See, I'm I'm feeling it already. I'm jacked up. Maybe not you. Maybe you're not getting it. But I've been talking about him. I've been saying his name. I've been feeling the nature of who he is. I am that I am. The air through this room. The, the skies outside. The trees. The little lizards running around. He holds them together by the sound of his voice. By the very vibrational nature of who he is. That's why you always want to be in harmony with him. Psalm 68, verse 4, sing to God, sing praises to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yahah, and rejoice before him. But see, the Jews were always concerned about blasphemy, and well, they should during that time. Not only were they committing blasphemy, but their enemies were. The New Unger's Bible Dictionary, it says blasphemy, signifies speaking of evil, of God, to curse the name of the Lord. Sometimes blasphemy has been retained by translators when the general meaning is evil speaking or slander might have been better. There are two general forms of blasphemy, attributing some evil to God or denying him some good that we should attribute to him. 
It's giving the attributes of God to a creature, which is a form of blasphemy that the Jews charged Yeshua with. See, the Jews looked at Leviticus 24.16, prohibiting, prohibiting, excuse me, the utterance even of the name. So they say Adonai or Elohim. And see, blasphemy comes into play in the New Testament. And I think it's important that I mention this. In Matthew 12, verses 31 and 32, after he Yeshua cast a demon out of a blind and mute man, the, the Pharisees start saying, well, he cast them out. He did that by the power of Beelzebub. He's, doing, he's using the power of demons. And so this is what the Lord says. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy, every evil, abusive, injurious speaking, or indignity against sacred things will be forgiven people. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit by attributing the miracles done by me to Satan will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. I have heard current teachers, preachers, evangelists who do not agree with the gifts still being present and do not appreciate those of us that move in the gifts. They've accused us of it being demonic, which is the literal form of blasphemy. You are attributing the gifts of the Holy Spirit to Satan. The red letters, the Lord's words himself said, that will not be forgiven, not in this age or the age to come. And I think many big-name preachers are in for a shock. So the transliteration of the Greek word meaning blasphemy literally means to speak harm. It's an attitude of disrespect and finds its expression in an act directed against the character of God. Leviticus 24, 15, and 16, I mentioned it. Then you will speak to the children of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him, the stranger as well as him who was born in the land, when he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. Well, thankfully, we don't do stoning anymore. But they will suffer when they stand before him. I have a problem when people use the name of the Lord to curse or the GD word and and I've shared this before, you know, I usually tell people, you know, my father's last name is not Dam. And they look at you, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know it offended you. No, it offends him. It's a capital crime in the Old Testament to be stoned. So they were very sensitive to anyone using the personal name of God or claiming to be God. You see, this is where we get to the New Testament, and this is where we're going. This has kind of been the prologue. See, the New Testament broadens the concept of blasphemy to include actions against 
the Lord and the, the, the body, but we're going to talk specifically about the Jewish leaders in their dealing with Yeshua. And they considered him a blasphemer. Mark chapter 2, starting verse 3. A lot of scripture tonight, folks. And we're going to get to areas of scripture where if you use a highlighter, either in a book, which hopefully you have one, a Bible, or if you use an um, electronic one, there should be a way to highlight things. If you use a Kindle on your iPad or tablet or whatever, you can highlight things. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men, of course, him as Yeshua. And when they could not come here near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Yeshua saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes, the Sadducees, were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And of course, the rest of the story is he looks at them, he knows what they've said. And he said, which would it be easier, your son, your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and go, rise up, walk, get out of here? And of course, he, we know he does. But see, when he was tried by the Sanhedrin, Yeshua not only claimed he was Messiah, he claimed he was equal with the Father, that he was supreme, he was I am. Luke 22, verse 66, and as soon as it was day, this is after he's been arrested, the elders of the people, both chief priests, scribes, came together and led him into their council, saying, if you are the Messiah, tell us. And he said to them, if I tell you, you will by no means believe. If I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter the Son of Man will sit at the right hand of the power of God. And then they all said, are, are you then the Son of God? And he said to them, you rightly say that I am. And of course he used the phrase and he said he was I am, and they, they said, what further testimony do we need? We've heard it for ourselves from his own mouth. And, the, and of course, the, the high priest there ripped his, his robe, and they put on a nice big religious show, even though their kangaroo trial was illegal and against their own rules. It didn't matter. Such a claim fit the charge of blasphemy and the deserved death. Pretty amazing. A man can manipulate the things of this world against the things of God. Nothing has changed. Not a thing. And you, know, you also know what else hasn't changed? God's going to win, just like he did then. Mark 14, verse 61. Now the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Yeshua to put him to death, but found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, 
and within three days I will build another made without hands. But when they did, their, even their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up and asked Yeshua and saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered him nothing. And that was like to fulfill the prophecy in Isaiah. Like a sheep, a lamb to the slaughter. He said not a word. And then the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed? This is a different version of what before. And he says, I am. There it is again. And this is what I want you to do, and I've started doing. Every time you see him say, I am, or the phrase, I am, underline it or highlight it, because you're going to see how many times he said it. I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven which they knew was a messianic thing going back to Daniel. And the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they condemned him to be deserving of death. Then some began to spit on him and blindfold him and beat him, saying to him, Prophesy. And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. Satan thought he'd won. He had manipulated the entire thing. He'd set up this kangaroo court, not understanding he had actually lost. Some New Testament scholars believe that the real blasphemers were them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who denied his messianic claims and rejected his unity with the Father. Later on in Mark 15, verse 27, with him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right hand and the other on his left. So that scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And likewise, the chief priests also mocking amongst themselves with the scribes that he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even, even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is Luke twenty two thirty four variation of the story, but picking it up in a different place. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And then they divided his garments and cast lots, and which is also prophesied. And the people stood on looking, stood looking on. But the rulers with them sneered. Come on, you saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah, the chosen of God. And the soldiers mocked him, offering him sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. You moron, he was saving you. He was saving the world. And an inscription was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who was hanged, uh, next to him who was on the cross next to him blasphemed him saying if you are the Messiah save yourself and us but the other answering rebuked him saying 
Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Yeshua, Adonai, Lord, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, he called him Lord, and he knew that he had a kingdom. And Yeshua said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. There was no salvation prayer. There was no kneeling at an altar. There was none of the things that, <clears throat> excuse me, that we make people do. He acknowledged him as Lord and that he was the king. And he was in paradise that day with Yeshua. Stop making it so hard for people to enter the kingdom. Stop trying to clean the fish before you catch it. You know, many people have said Yeshua never said that he was God or that he was equal to God and that all those things that some of these false teachers, preachers, celebrities that the enemy is using to deceive the masses. That's not true. He said it over and over. And his actions showed it over and over. From the day he was born, how he was born, where he lived his life from the day of birth to the day of death, everywhere he went, everything he said, everything he did, declared he is the Messiah. The Holman Bible Dictionary says Yeshua is saying, I am, in response, in several New Testament passages, suggests more than him simply identifying that I am he. No, there are times when he's, he, he says I am so much. Lord, is that you? I am. I am Yeshua. I'm not a ghost. But in, you know what? He could have said I am he alone who tramples down the waves of the sea and makes the waves hush. Job's 9.8, he alone spreads out the heavens. He treads on the waves of the sea. Psalm 107, verses 28 and 29, then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storms so that its waves are still. He's asleep in the boat in Mark 4. And the storm's coming, and they're about to capsize, and they say, Lord, don't you care? And he wakes up, he arose, he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He showed over and over that he was the Messiah, that he was, I am. There's no argument there. He is. But is he to you? Oh, you say you say he's your Lord. 
but then you do what you want. You act of your own volition. You act like, well, you know, he is the king, but I'm, you know, I'm a region. I'm somebody special. I can do this. I can do that. And he'll cover me. He'll fix it after I'm done. And I got news for you. No, he won't. God will not honor our foolishness. He just won't. He didn't do it with Peter. He didn't do it with anybody in the Bible. He let them reap what they've sown and learn from it. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the final say. He's the first say. He's everything. John really pounds the drum on the I am concept a lot. John eight twenty one through 24. And Yeshua speaking to the crowds, the Pharisees and the Sadducees says, I'm going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. I am he who, Hamashiach, the Messiah, I am he, recognizing he is, that Yeshua is the I am, is a matter of eternal life and death. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You must be born again. You must be born from above. And the Jews, they misunderstood the whole concept. They just completely misunderstood the concept of the Messiah. They weren't ready for him. They really weren't looking for him. They're really not looking for them today. So many Jews resist Yeshua for all these religious nonsensical reasons but the fact is they're really not looking but those that have their hearts triggered those that are looking for the messiah who desire a savior who desire completeness find him after casting out a demon the jews said to him this is john eight fifty two. now we know that you have a demon Abraham is dead in the prophets, and you say, If anybody keeps my word shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Isn't that amazing? There it is again. Who do you think you are? And Yeshua answered and said, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, was glad. Remember, he went up on the top of Mount Nebo, and he saw it off in a distance, but he didn't get to experience it. Abraham rejoiced. That was Moses. I'm sorry. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it was glad. 
And the Jews said to him, You're not yet 50 years old, yet you have seen Abraham? Which, how they got that from that, I don't know. Yeshua <laughs> just simply says, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Never forget he's preexistent. He was in the beginning with God. He is the word of God. He spoke everything into existence. He and the Father are one. He is one with the Father. See, they, they misunderstood him when he said before, you know, about Abraham, but they understood very well when he said before Abraham was, I am. He's making a divine claim. And they're about to pick up stones to throw at him. People can be so loyal to their religious beliefs that they're fools. I've heard Jews say, well, I, I, I must be loyal to Hashem. I must be loyal to God. I cannot accept Yeshua. And he would say to them, I, I appreciate your loyalty, but you really haven't been that loyal to me all these years. You don't keep the Sabbath. You don't honor me. You don't live like you know me. It's a religious thing, not a spiritual thing. When he gets arrested in John 18, and they go out over the brook Kidron, the Garden of Gethsemane, he and his disciples entered, and Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Yeshua often met there, met there with his disciples. It's John 18. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops, temple guards, officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Yeshua, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, who, whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Yeshua said to them, I am he. <laughs> and Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And he asked him again, Whom are you seeking, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua of Nazareth? I told you, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, so that it might be fulfilled which he spoke of those whom you gave me. I have lost none. And this is when Simon Peter draws the sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant, Malchus. And the Lord heals it and puts it back on his head and tells Peter, put the sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Now that alone should have said to all of those cards, hey, you know what? I don't I, I don't think I want to be a part of this. Um, he, that man just had his ear cut off. He put his ear back on. Um, I'm not feeling too well. I got to go home early. <laughs> I'd have been out of there. Come on. But you know what I saw in this section right here? Peter was responding in zeal and love for the Lord. He was responding in warfare to pull the sword. And Yeshua said, put your sword away. Don't interfere with what I'm about to do. 
I cannot tell you how many times as I've prayed to intercede and pushed back on something, I've heard the Lord say very quietly and sometimes very sternly, don't get in my way. Don't interfere with what I'm doing. You know, people are praying against this and they're praying against that and they're trying to stop the enemy here and they're trying to stop the enemy over there, but they never stop and think, hey, Lord, do you want me to do this? Or is this a part of a divine plan? Now, if they don't do that in their zeal, they just march out there and swing the sword and they they do a lot of foolish things that I've seen people lose their life over. So if you think you're into spiritual warfare, check yourself. Check your sword. Make sure the Lord wants you to draw it. I've seen tragedies befall people that did not adhere to that, that caught up in the zeal of spiritual warfare and fighting the enemy. I may not have told you the story. I think it's in my book. I shared it with somebody recently. I feel compelled to share it now. When I was in Tallahassee at Christian Heritage, um, I pretty much immediately got put in charge of the deliverance ministry, baby Christian. Not something I would have done, but um, Shelley was doing what the Lord told him to do, which then I became the preeminent spiritual warfare person. Shelley just kind of pulled back and then let me take the front line. So we had a youth pastor there who was very full of himself. And he had a huge crowd on Friday nights, 400 kids, and it was explosive and it was growing and there were signs and wonders. And this particular September before school started, he decided we're going to take on the enemy. We're going to pull down the strongholds. We're going to send people all over town on every school campus from first grade up to the university, and we're going to confront the enemy and we're going to put them in their place. So myself and one of my prayer partners at that time, Bubba, a nice southern boy from Alabama with a New York Italian, God's sense of humor there. Anyway, we go to this school. I think it was a middle school. I'm not sure. And we're praying with all the youth leaders and all the kids that went and all the parents that went. And we're holding hands. And Bubba looks over at me, and he sees I'm white like I'm about to be sick. He goes, hey, brother, what's wrong? Are you sick? I said, oh, yeah. I said, I'm sick to my stomach because it just hit me. We got kids. We got baby Christians all over town getting in the face of enemies that are possibly thousands of years old, challenging them and calling them out and telling them what they're going to do. I said, this is not going to end well, and sure enough, it didn't. That was September that 400 crowds by by end of the year was down to maybe 100. There were deaths. Kids committed suicide. Some had car accidents. It was massive carnage because the enemy came in hard and fast, and they were not prepared. So don't get in his way and make sure that whatever you're doing is what the captain of the host wants done. But he is, I am. He is who is, who was, and who is to come. You see, when we get to Revelation, we see a variation on his declaration. In Romans 1, starting verse 4, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is 
and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Yeah. We have a crowd cheering right now. I I have an effect, but it, it probably wouldn't fit very well. But anyway, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. And then the Lord speaks up, and he says, I am the Alpha in the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He is I am. Later on in verse chapter 1, verse 17, John sees him and he describes what he looks like. Nothing like anything we've ever seen in any of the pictures. He's not a Roman-looking guy or an Italian-looking guy. He's a Jewish guy, but in this case, you can't even see his face. His glory is so great. And John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And literally, the spirit so overwhelmed him, he was slain in the spirit, and he felt like he was dead. I've been there. I know what that feels like. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he, again, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Now, of course, everybody in the throne room knows who he is. Revelation 4, 8, four living creatures. Each having six wings were full of eyes all around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 and they just keep saying it. And they don't say it all at the same time as the chorus. They're saying it at different times. And it becomes a cacophony of sound. It becomes a vibration sounding like a rushing mighty wind. How do I know that? Because I took that phrase and this scripture. And I laid it over 24 multiple tracks. I think like 40 something tracks over the top of each other at different times. And it starts out, you can hear it, you can understand it, and then it just becomes a vibration of sound. Revelation 11, verse 15, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before on their thrones fell on their faces and faces and worshipped him, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and is to come because you have taken 
your great power and reign. Revelation 16, verse 4, the third bowl, the third bowl is poured out and the waters turned to blood. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be because you've judged these things. They have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you've given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. So for those who question God's sovereignty, for those who question the Lord's preeminence, John, the writer of Revelation, confirms and reaffirms and pretty much establishes that Israel's faith in the I Am is in Yeshua and the glory that he is due. I am the bread of life, John 6.35. I am the light of the world, John 8.12. I am the door of the sheep, John 10.7. I am the good shepherd, John 10.11. I am the resurrection, God, John 11.5. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, John 14.6. I am the Alpha and the Omega, John uh, Revelation 1.11. And I am the living one, and I was dead, but I am alive forevermore. Revelation one eighteen. He is, I am, in everything. From the beginning to the end, he is, I am. See, we're going to be talking about he is, and we're going to take each one of these scriptures I've just read, and we're going to begin to break them down so that you can understand this jewel and you can see all of the facets, and you can see him in all of his glory, and you could live a life that you never, ever, ever want to betray him or, or, or disappoint him or do anything to hinder who he is and that people see him as their Savior, as their Lord, as their Master, as their everything. It's amazing how Paul, when when he first got saved, being as smart as he was and knowledgeable, studied under the Jew of all Jews, the Pharisees, Pharisees, Gamaliel, and he knew the scriptures and he knew the word and he went into the synagogues and he started riots and he he got beat up and he got caught up. I'm going to prove to them. And then at the end of his ministry, he says, I know one thing. I know Yeshua and him crucified. He got back to basics. He got back to the cross. He got back to what is the foundation of our faith, the bloody cross, the empty tomb, the upper room. Everything else he realized was fluff. It was knowledge. It was extra weight that we really don't need to carry. Father, in the name of Yeshua. Abba, we come to you as your children. We desire so desperately with our finite minds to to understand the, the infiniteness of your glory, of the reality of you, of your majesty. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us. In our ignorance, help us in our simpleness to see him as he is. Moses got to see him. 
and came down and absorbed the glory so much it resonated and shone out from his DNA through his skin. And we are transformed from glory to glory. Lord, shine down your glory upon us. Change us. Change us so that we can resonate from the inside out, that we can be beacons in the darkness that is covering the earth and a deep darkness to people, but that we can arise and shine through love and grace and mercy for those that are wounded, that are hurting, they've been they've been bitten by the enemy, they, they, they're missing parts of themselves, but you can make them whole again. They've had their hearts broken and their marriages destroyed and they've been ripped apart and they've lost their children and they've been rejected, but you will accept them. You'll make them whole. Help us to be that for them, to be beacons, to be a lighthouse, to be a a, a, a safe place for them to come to take to you so they can be hidden under your wings. Help us to shine. Help us to glorify you, to shine you, not us, not man, not a theology, not a denomination, not a, not a, a, a church fellowship, but you, so that they can understand who you are. Please, please help us with that and let us go. Let us go. Let us go do this. Let's take it out to the world and heal the sick and raise the dead. I pray this in Yeshua's name. And if you agree with me, just say, Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord bless May Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.